Welcome back to the Steady Course Leadership Podcast. Here we are in episode 10. Uh, my name is Justin Brown, and I'd like to introduce you to my co-host, Marcus Williams. How you doing, Marcus? I'm doing phenomenal. It is the most wonderful time of the year, man. Sure is, man. And I, I'm excited uh, for this gift we've got here to, to talk about uh, one of the most unsexy traits of leaders and high performers in any industry is the ability to keep showing up. If you listened to our last episode, episode 9, uh, we, you know, we're kicking off a series here, diving into the state of the course, uh, five principles of leadership last. If you've not listened to that, I'd go ahead and go back to that. Marcus, I want to circle around this, uh, this idea, this principle we've included in, in kind of our discussions and dialogues in the past. And I really feel like it can, can help some people. And, you know, as we were diving into this, uh, I want to kick a question to you to, to tee it up. You know, we, it seems like an obvious principle. It seems like something that, that should just be assumed but in your experience in athletics and, you know, in higher ed and in medical field and, and uh, you know, why, why do you feel like you're, what are the things you've seen in the past for, for individuals who, who do not stay on their journey? They do not complete the, the journey that they set out to do. Do you see any common traits there? You know, I, I really do. And I think I can relate to this even personally. And that fundamental question is what happens to someone to where they even have to be reminded to show up. And I think we've all had those periods of, in time in life where we just, it just, it wouldn't, we couldn't see ourselves doing anything other than showing up. You know what I mean? You just, you can't wait. You go to sleep thinking about that thing. You wake up thinking about that thing and you're just in it. But then it's like all of a sudden something happens. And, and to me, I think it's really, it's a societal thing. It's these societal pressures, these expectations that are put upon us that we put upon ourselves based on what we're feeling from the world around us. And then it's when those expectations don't meet or don't match the moment is when we immediately, our, our gut response is, is to, to withdraw, to, to not do the thing that we were so enamored with just a, a few moments ago, a few days ago, we just, we just say, okay, well, we're done with this because this no longer meets the lofty expectations that I have set for it based on what the world is telling me I should be receiving from this in any given moment. And I honestly, man, I think that's what it is. It's, it, it's through industry. It's through gender, geographic, demographic. It's just, we, we get trapped in this world of the exterior that, that we can kind of get into, man, but it's, it's a, it's a fundamental flaw of humans. No doubt. And I love kind of how you qualified what you're saying, that this is not gender specific. This is not ethnicity specific, geographical location specific. It's it's really a part of the human condition and the, and the human experience. And when I hear you describe that, the, the, the phrase that kind of comes to my mind is a loss of enthusiasm, a loss of enthusiasm, this idea that enthusiasm wanes. It, it, it starts at max capacity for most of us when, when we get fired up about something and then there are experiences that happen that that cause that to diminish and slow down and, and maybe not even get replenished. And and I want to kind of talk about two things and, and get your thoughts on this as well. There, as I was preparing for this, and, and obviously we've spent a lot of time around this idea, I found that there's two things, two common things that maybe even some of our listeners are experiencing right now, two experiences that, that can cause enthusiasm to wane. And the first one is comparison. 
and you touched on it. And I want to dive into this even more and get into specifics of how we can maybe put up some guardrails in our own lives as leaders and in high performance to, to, to stop comparison or at least minimize or mitigate its, its uh, influence. And, and the second thing is uh, I think there's an element of fear of others' opinions that, that's in play here when it comes to uh, enthusiasm waning. What, what comes to your mind when, you, when you, you hear those two things? Yeah, man. I mean, we live in this highly curated culture. So everything we're exposed to has been like intentionally crafted to pique our interest, to get us inspired, to to pull at our heartstrings. So it becomes it becomes our reality. So it becomes it's really hard to separate what we're going through that day to day struggle, that grind versus everything we're exposing ourselves to from a consumer standpoint, from the Internet, from social media. It just seems so complete so pleasant so aspirational in terms like they've already accomplished these things that I'm doing like you just you never really you never really see the 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 ugliness of that process like even when people allude to the process it's always like this highlight reel of this grind that's happening that still makes it feel pretty cool you know what I mean and at the end of the day like what we're talking about it's not cool until it is cool because it's already mm. happened. The entire deal. And I think that is where real people really start to that pressure of the comparison because we're comparing the real to the fake. And, and that's always going to leave you feeling empty and void of something because realness is never this tidy curated, ready to present package. It's something that is just is, constantly evolving process like we, i think we all fundamentally understand that but it's you need reminded because you never see it you truly never see it and unless you're thinking about it from your own personal internal experiences i think you're exactly right and I, i'm echoing it you know as you said you never see it and this is the truth and i can kind of share a personal journey and, and uh you know ended up being a chapter in the book stay the course that i wrote um you know i'm an avid reader and as a young coach you're, you're constantly studying and and uh you know reading insights from from the hall of famers out there and i was not a football coach but i always admired bill walsh and and uh you know he's kind of the gold standard in terms of leadership and coaching and and uh you know i remember reading one of his books late at night um, I had I had put my you know little son he's a couple months old at the time down to bed and I'm reading late and uh, I'm stumbling on his book um, the score takes care of itself and and in that book he shares a chapter you know, this is a Hall of Fame coach this is what some would say is the greatest of all time in, in football and and I'm reading a chapter where uh, things were not going well early in his career and uh, you know he he was uh, nearly let go he, the team is struggling he's trying to turn the organization around and it's just not going well you know, experience that I was relating to at the time and was experiencing myself. And, and uh, I, I was struck by, there was a, a, a game he lost in Miami, the team lost, they were playing the Dolphins and he jumps on an airplane with the team and they're heading back home to San Francisco. And, and uh, he begins to sob in the front of the airplane, like to, an embarrassing experience that uh, I would not have guessed the hall of fame coach would have had. Uh, and, you know, his assistant coaches are kind of protecting them and, and uh, making sure players don't see him. And, and on that flight back from Miami to San Francisco, he actually was wrote up a resignation letter and, and, and intended to, to resign when they got back home. And, uh, 
I was struck by this little segment that no one hears about. When you hear Bill Walsh, you do not hear that. You hear West Coast offense. You hear innovative leadership. You hear, you know, highlight after highlight after highlight. And it hit me between the eyes that here's a story that gets glossed over um, that majority of leaders and emerging leaders and coaches that are, are experiencing something similar. And, and the, the danger is when we are comparing our experiences that are like that to what appeared to be an easy journey to the top for Bill Walsh. But in reality, this hidden story, this hidden experience, uh, he was he had a normal, tough go at it early in his career as well. He ends up getting talked out of resigning and stays and, and, you know, coaches with the 49ers and goes on and has a legendary career. His coaching tree spans, you know, incredible names in the sport. Hall of Fame coaches came from his camp. But it's this powerful idea that we're not seeing the full story a lot of the times. And, and uh, you know, we're comparing our tough experiences and, and you know, comparison is the thief of joy. And, and, and I think it's one of the big obstacles of of staying on staying the course and staying on the journey is is just getting frustrated that your story doesn't look like what someone else's end result looks like and uh you know i, I think you see with that story it, it's the truth is it, behind the curtain he was he was having a rough go as well oh man that's just so true and i can think of so many stories that turn south when comparison is introduced into that narrative. I mean, I can just go throughout my entire life and I can tell you all these moments that were super blissful and joyful. And I was just in it with no expectations, just embracing everything that there was to embrace about that process and those moments. And then as soon as I started to compare what I was doing to others, whether they were running that same race, running a different race, doing something different, like my mindset just was completely disrupted. Like you can't, unsee those things so then all of a sudden like that becomes the lens in which you evaluate your life and it's just it's, it's unfortunate that we tend it's so easy for us to do that and the opportunity the opportunities for us to do that are just so readily accessible that it really does it just it is the thief of joy and it's it's just sad that we are in a state of mind where we just allow ourselves to do that it doesn't have to be that way and I think that's what we're excited about is saying hey just by bringing awareness to the topic immediately gives us the the tools to say hey like I don't I chose to make that comparison I can choose to get back into this state of just fully immersed in this process totally I think the question that even kind of wrap up the comparison segment is you know what assumptions are you I'm saying to all leaders listen to this what assumptions are you carrying about someone else's journey that is probably not true it's it, there's there you can't you know buff out and, and get everything so shiny and, and your journey is just so dull you know there's some things going on behind the scenes in that individual's life or other other you know leaders you admire's life that that probably resembles more of what's going on in your life than than anything else you know the second thing that we you know we're discussing that is a a uh, you know, a contributor enthusiasm waning is, is the fear of others' opinions. Now, this is a, a touchy one, and I'd love to get your thoughts on this, Marcus, because I, I think in leadership life, as you're, you're growing as a leader, I think it you start to carry this idea, like, I, I don't care what other people think about me. I don't care what, you know, what other people think about what I'm doing. And, and it, that's the place we want to get to. But I think it, it can be dangerous to skip over that 
to this fake kind of bravado, fake confidence, and, and to not actually dig in and go, okay, what, what is really going on with how I'm relating to the, the noise around uh, what I'm doing and how I'm leading and how I'm growing? And, and uh, so what, what kind of thoughts come to your mind when you, when you jump into this segment of the fear of other people's opinions? Yeah, man, I think you're spot on. I, there's a fine balance between being super empathetic to the people around you and kind of their thoughts and feelings of how you make them feel whenever you make decisions or when you enter the room and the things you do versus being super self-conscious about the way they feel and, and the things that they may perceive when you go about handling your business. And I think to me, it comes down to this fundamental psychological principle of like separating of task. And I think it, it's the, the scripture that you kind of outline when we look at Galatians 6, 9, where it says, let us not grow weary in doing well for at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. And I think what, when we connect those dots between separation of task and that scripture, what it's saying is like, when you're doing good, good never goes out of style regardless of how people are interpreting that good or what they're saying about that good. And we can't be fearful of what other people are going to say when we know we're doing a good thing. We can't be embarrassed to do the good thing set before us because it's so minuscule to the grand scheme of things that are going on around us. We talk that first principle of starting small. And part of that, that struggle is, is this being, willing to, to do the small things and not being embarrassed about it. And, it. and it really drives to this point, we're embarrassed of the small things because we fear the opinions of what other people think about us doing the small thing, or even not even doing the small thing, but actually struggling with the small, small thing, or having to deal with the small thing for a period of time that we thought was, you know, longer than what we'd have to be handling that small thing. I think, again, it's just these expectations need to go and we just need to do what we need to do do it well, do the good. And in time, we'll, we'll reap the harvest that is meant for us, regardless of what other people think, regardless of how they're evaluating us. We just need to continue to show up and just give us, seize the moment. Man, the thought that comes to my mind when I hear you say that is, is nothing squelches enthusiasm, like imagining what other people think about you're starting small. Like uh, to me, starting small and just keep showing up, go hand in hand. But it's so challenging to, to, to do the small stuff, to do the, the little things, to do the things that are boring and, and can be even a little bit of embarrassing. Uh, it's hard to stay in that space if you're worried about how other people are interpreting that. And, and uh, it kind of brings me to this thing I want to ask you as well. Uh, do you think it's an accurate assumption to say that the things that make us want to quit the most only exist externally? Or do you think that there is some internal things going on? Like, are, are the biggest obstacles to just keep showing up at our craft and doing, you know, the things very, very well and, and releasing the outcomes and just staying committed to the process are the biggest threats external from, from that? Like, you know, are they only on the outside and, and existing in other people and, you know, outcomes and, you know, what, what are your, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. I think simply put what, what we're trying to protect and defend is the internal. The internal is where the transformation happens. The internal 
is, is that placeholder for God. You know, we are, our bodies is the temple, the spirit is within us. And so that, that is there. And, and that space is always preserved for that intimate relationship with our creator to do the things that he designed us to do. Now, the problem becomes when the external starts to infiltrate the internal. And it's all these things you talk about. It's the outcomes, the expectations around those, the expectations of other people, the, the opinions they have and trying to please them and being afraid that they may dislike us or the timeliness of progress, like all those things just start to get us out of balance. And, and they start to take our time. They start to take our attention. And, and then before we know it, they actually start to take up space in our heart. And when that happens, that's when we are, are, are just fundamentally just removed from the process we were intended for. And I think that is, that's what we're getting, getting at when we say just showing up. Like, you know, we're talking about both the figurative and the literal sense of the phrase. It's like everything. We're talking about the attendance, the consistent attendance to what matters. We're talking about being present in more than one way. It's just like, hey, I, I, I've arrived, but it's also like I'm here to be what the moment requires of me. And I think sometimes we forget, like we think, well, we're just showing up because we're clocking in and we're clocking out. Well, no, like to show up is to clock in and be there ready to do what God is willing to do through you in that day. And I think if we're just, we need to really get back and own this concept of just showing up so we can fully embrace the process and fully be present to give the moment what it needs. So, you know, when I hear you say that, the, the protect and defend, especially, I think it is such a key thing. And I, I immediately thought of Proverbs 4.23, uh, where it says, guard your heart for it is the wellspring of life. And I think when we get to this idea of enthusiasm going down and I want to quit and this has lost its passion and all that, you're, you're really getting at a heart issue first. That all these external things, comparison, others' opinions, lack of progress in relation to outcomes that were set or goals and those those external things can infiltrate what's going on at a heart level and when that happens we're in trouble <laughs> like we, we when we lose that daily enthusiasm passion and zeal that, that comes out of the heart that that God gives us and and, and uh, fuels us when when that kind of tank is empty we're in trouble uh, we're, we're just flat out in trouble and so I want to kind of, as we close here, what are, you know, one or two things, Marcus, that you're doing in your life as, a, you know, elite, high level leader? And, and uh, how, how are you guarding your heart in this area and, and, and just continuing to show up in, in the things that God has called you to do? And what are some practical things if a young leader is listening to this and going, well, this sounds great. Well, how can I put this in action right now? Where would you tell them to start based on, you know, the experiences you've had? Yeah, man, I, I have to go through this process, you know, multiple times in a year because it is it is a struggle for everyone. And I actually just went through some mental exercises to kind of help me get back and, and kind of presence myself and make sure that I was just showing up because I got caught up in some comparison. I got a little caught up in the fear of others' opinions because I was moving into a new position, a lot of eyeballs on me. And I had to like, I felt this. 
And I said, you know what, this opportunity to just come back. And, and really what I did was, it was two things. One, just went through a, a little reflective writing process just to go back and remember the times when I was in it. And just to show myself that there's a very consistent pattern of those moments when I'm in it and just highlight all those elements and say, okay, what was that? Oh, I was passionate. Oh, I was purposeful. Oh, I was just joyful and say, okay, like I've been all those things before. Let me bring that back to the present. And, and what did that, what was I doing then that I can be doing now? And just all oh, like, there were no expectations around the, the thing that I was doing. So I think a lot of times it's just a reminder to say, hey, like we've did this before. We've all had those moments in life where we were just doing the thing and doing the thing was enough and doing the thing has always been enough for God. It just, sometimes it's enough for us. Sometimes it's not. And I think we got to bring it back till we make sure that thing is enough for us because if it's enough for him, it certainly should be enough for us. And then secondly, it is just giving myself the runway to be able to actually embrace these moments. And, and we'll get to this later as we start getting down these principles and we talk about, you know, the long game and, and things to that extent. But there, there's a lot of power to understanding the, the timeliness in which things can unfold. I think a lot of times we put pressure on ourselves to do big now immediately. And if the big thing doesn't happen, let's stop showing up and let's show up to something else and just hope that this craziness this craziness in this process is going to work for us. And it, it never does. And I think when you can be honest with yourself, anybody listening to this and say, what has worked for me in my time here on earth, I can 100% assure you that what has worked for you is just committing fully to something until that something was ready for you to take it to the next level. And you did. And I think that you just got to, we all need to remind ourselves that we're fully capable of doing it all, but we just got to do this thing right now. And we just got to keep showing up to this thing. And when this thing's ready, it'll be ready. We'll be ready. So good. Uh, thanks for sharing that. And when I was hearing you talk there, it, one thing that kind of stood out to me and it, it's clear as you described is, is just an element of self-awareness. And, and, you know, I was talking with a young leader the other day and, in, in the session and, and we were kind of circling around this. And I think this is something that it, at my stage in my life, I, I'm really trying to tap into again uh, and develop even deeper roots on that. And, and so, I, you know, I'm trying to leverage my commute. Um, I have a long commute now for a new role I'm in. And, and uh, you know, I, I often fill it with music or podcasts or I'll hop on the phone and call someone. And, you know, I, I hopped in the car uh, even today and, and just recognized quickly, like, I, I just need a silent ride. <laughs> I just need to just drive and, and reflect and, and leverage this time to kind of see where I'm at, see what's going on internally, see maybe what's bothering me or, or irking me in re things that would take my enthusiasm if, if they're not addressed or things that would cause me to, to kind of give up the fight in some areas if I don't address them. And I think if you're a young leader, you know, and you're looking to kind of develop this and, and develop new rhythms, it all goes back to building margin. You know, what, what you're describing, Marcus, and what I'm describing, there's there's an element of self-reflection that has to take place. If you're going to keep this tank full and, and keep enthusiasm driving, it's the ability to be honest and say, this is where I'm at. 
you know, th this is getting discouraging. This is getting frustrating. This is getting fill in the blank for you in addressing it and saying, okay, I, I have to go from here. Uh, I have to trust that the work I'm doing, the work that God has me doing is not in vain and it will be leveraged at a later date. And my job is just to commit to this day and, and commit to the process and continue to show up, provide my very, very best and guard and protect my heart. And I think if we stack days and weeks and months and years doing that, uh, that there's no way that, that we're, we're going to be stopped in whatever it is that that we're chasing and whatever it is that God is calling us to do as leaders. And, and uh, Mark, you got any other thoughts before we close out? I think we all just have to believe that he, he's heard us. If, if, if you're doing God's will and, and, and you've reached out to him and, and you, you've shared your thoughts and your desires, he's heard you. And the fact that he's heard you, if you believe it, then that means he has you right where he needs you to be. So just stop fretting about it and just show up and, and, and let it do. Let it do what it do. That's it right there. So thanks for joining us again for this episode. We'll be back next week. Uh, we're going to continue to wrap up the year going through the state of the course principles of leadership last. And uh, if this, if this podcast is helping you and encouraging you at all, please feel free to share, uh, pass it on to a friend, a family member, another coach, another leader, and uh, we'll see you next time. Stay the course. Heard this beat in my dream.